podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Molby on the Spot. I'm Jim Boardman sitting in for Trev. I'm afraid, yeah, you've got me again, but you've got the main man. You've got Jan Molby here. And Jan, how are you doing? Um, we were just saying beforehand, maybe we don't really want to talk about the most recent stuff with the game, with Liverpool at least. Well, I think so far, 2023 is, you know, it hasn't been a great start, has it? But, you know, we're still here. We're here to tell the tale and uh, it will all come together again. I'm absolutely convinced of that. Yeah, I mean, it was it was just, um, well, we did the post-match uh, Raw on Saturday. I did that just afterwards and... Obviously, you're sort of trying to get your head around what's just gone on, which was like a bit of Groundhog Day, really. It was just the same again as we'd seen far too often this season. But there were some, I felt, I felt there were some sort of bright moments in it. Um, you know, you can sort of argue if we, if we hadn't conceded those two goals, which I know all ifs and buts and all of that. But if we hadn't conceded those, we'd maybe have been at halftime thinking, well, it wasn't a great first half, but we'd have felt a lot more confident about the second. But you know, is that is that enough? Is that enough? Are we clutching at straws, or is there still that sort of just enough of those little signs that maybe the old Liverpool is in there somewhere? I think possibly right this moment in time, it's clutching a little bit at straws. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to ask you something, Jim. Mm-hmm. You 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 are a generation that you remember the last time this happened, and I was at the club, so. You know, a lot of people said it started in 1990. I think it's a bit harsh because in 1991, we finished second to an Arsenal team who lost one game all season. Yeah. So I think it's fair to say that from 91 and onwards, uh, it, it fell off a little bit. And how, how did you view that as a as a fan? How long did it take for you before you thought, uh-uh, we ain't going to be able to pull this back with what we've got? You know, if you look at, and I always refer to, you know, Grobola and and then and Nickel and Whelan and and Russ and Barnes and and myself and you know all the ones who've been there for a long time. Uh, how long did it take you before you sort of thought, well, with what we got, we we won't be able to do it? Was that? It takes a long time, doesn't it? Especially when the group have done as much as they've done. And I think if you compare the the people I'm talking to about there, so they were sort of early to mid 80s when they broke into the team, weren't they, Russ? Uh, wheel and nickel and whatever and, and then then they were there so it's been a bit like the same as these guys isn't it sort mm. of six seven years of not winning everything but being close to you know and so well anyway i've asked you a question jim how how did you view it how was that experience for you and then i'll tell you how i i saw it and then yeah, we'll I, refer to what's happening there today yeah i think at the time to me it was such a shock because like i'd grown up seeing us win something pretty much every season it was unusual for us to end the season without some trophy to stick in front of the team photo at the start of the following season there was always some silverware so it felt it felt odd that we weren't we weren't winning things but you know we sort of I'm not sure what year it was you know we won we won the FA Cup and you felt like you know we were always sort of maybe not that far away maybe um you sort of start thinking are we just a bit unlucky because um it always felt we were just not quite there but you're right it was it was the start of something that that just got worse and worse and worse but I, I still think that um I don't know there's so many parallels I think one one that jumps out at me is I can remember all the fanzines and things making a joke at the time of uh, oh the injuries the injuries it's all the injuries you know this big big joke that was being made at the time that everything was being blamed on the injuries but it was actually a valid point I think as well as much as we had players who were um you know maybe coming to the end of the careers that maybe 
the likes of Bob Paisley perhaps would have would have moved on and things like that before they got there. You know, we were suffering from injuries and it was sort of to me it felt like we were playing plays that shouldn't have been played or as much. And I mean, that said though, rotation was something farmers did. It wasn't really yeah. something we heard about in football, was it? So to me, um I think it took me a long time to accept what was going on, you know, and I still think there was always that eternal thing, oh yeah. Bad season this season, but we'll do it next. And that. But see, um, what, what, what I thought, Jim, was that, and this might sound a bit, because I thought that the sort of core group of the ones I just mentioned before, I actually thought they were okay. I thought our biggest mm. problem was the recruitment. Mm. And, you know, I'm not here to throw anyone under the bus, but if you look at our recruitment in the early 90s, I think there will be a number of Liverpool fans who recognise. Uh, some of them are very unlike Liverpool signings. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it kind of draws in line with what's happened today, isn't it? Because mm. we're still holding on to that core group of players and thinking there's more in them, isn't there? They, yeah. need, they need recruitment. Now, in our case, back in the 90s, a lot of people forget, but we, we, we signed a lot of players. You know, we, we, mm. we went out and, you know, we whether it was Paul Stewart or Julian Dix or Torben Picnic or Mark Wright or Dean Saunders or Neil Ruddock or Phil Babb. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, we went and signed a lot of players. Uh, it's not quite the same today, but it still boils down to the same, doesn't it? Either yeah. recruitment that's not good enough or lack of recruitment, isn't it? You is know, it also, and, yeah, and is it the, the number, like you named a lot of players then? That's a lot to throw in, isn't it? You know. It, it and, and it was never our style, was it? But no. I think... And, and I know we come off the uh, the main topic here a little bit, but but I think that our worry in the early nineties, Jim, was that we during my time at Anfield, we we, we sort of had two competitors. We had Everton yeah. in the mid eighties, and in the late eighties, early nineties, it was Arsenal. Mm-hmm. But I never felt that we were overly concerned about them. I think we always felt that they they, they won't be able to sustain this. Mm-hmm. But of course, the challenge in the early nineties, I think that's what led us into maybe some kind of panic yeah. because it was Manchester United. Yes. You know, and we realised that everything you need to be a successful club, I'm not saying team, but to be a successful club, they had. You know, mm. they could match us with everything. Uh, and I think that was the one thing that made us worry at the time. Wow, we've now got a real competitor on and off the pitch, isn't it? You know what I mean? So, but yeah, coming back to today, I, I just think that, you know, that core, and that core doesn't mean Everybody who's been there for the last five years, no. that sort of core, you know what I mean, of a of a Allison and Goal and a Van Dyke and a Giago and the front guys and all that. There's still a team, isn't it? There? There's yeah. still a team to be built there. I think I know a lot of a lot of people are like dismissing everything, aren't they? You know, yeah. the owners are no good, the managers are no good, uh, blah blah. The players are no good, you know. And, and I guess that's a natural reaction, isn't it? But mm-hmm. you know, I, I think I, I, I still. Listen, take nothing away from me. I mean, I said to you before, I think clutching a little bit of straws because even when in the early 90s, um, yeah, you mentioned one of the FA Cup in 1992, but in in a lot of our games, we we were technically sort of the better team. Mm. You know, we would go to Sheffield United and and we'd dominate possession, we'd have a few chances and lose 1-0. And I'm seeing the same with this team is that, yeah, I mean, compared to when this team was at their best, we're not very good. But compared to other teams, we're not worse than most of them, are we? You know, and it still doesn't happen, does it? 
and I always wonder what what causes that kind of psych, psychological sort of in 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 a player's that yeah you know when when you don't have that because Roy Evans always used to say he said some people think that footballers and whatever he said they're arrogant he, he said they're not it's self belief yeah and he always said very few footballers are arrogant it's just self belief isn't it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think in the early 90s, that was probably the one thing. And I think with this group, it's probably the self-belief, isn't it? That's, that's gone. That's why you go and play and you're doing okay. Like we did at Wolves, isn't it? We had chances. We had chances, you think, on another day. Isn't it? But it just doesn't happen, does it? Right no, now, it just no. doesn't happen. No. Go that, on, go on, Jim, anyway. No, no, that's right. I think um, the, the confidence thing is a massive thing. And I think we're all sort of trying to guess what, what the hell's wrong. And there's so many different things. The idea, I think... People try to try to look for one thing, don't they? And I don't think it's one thing. It's a lot of things. But may, maybe there is a root cause to it all. But there's so many different things. And confidence is massive. And I think that confidence is sort of... I mean, I don't know. When you were playing and we were playing Man United or we were playing Everton, I mean, there's that, that cliche that the manager doesn't have to do anything to motivate these players for this game. You know, it's a massive game. But but when, you know, when Liverpool were winning things, you could play the so-called lesser teams, the mid-table teams, yet... You know, more often than not, you'd see a Liverpool side go out that just basically wanted to go out and get the job done and got it done. The, the current Liverpool team, and I've seen it, sorry, in spells, like say when Rafa was manager, when Brendan Rodgers was manager, you know, it's this thing that you can play the big teams, you know, the top two, top three, top four teams, and you put everything into it and you'll come out with the result. And then the following week, you play someone that's sixth or seventh from bottom and you just don't see, seem to see the same performance. So is that... You know, is that something you've noticed? And was that different when you were playing when when we were winning everything? Were we different against, you know, the lesser teams? Because, As, you know, I mean, it feels like it. <laughs> obviously, it's to do with ability uh, of the players. And that sets Liverpool apart in the 60s, yeah. 70s, 80s and whatever. Their ability to... Because I always say that another club could have bought Ronnie Whelan, couldn't it? He only cost 45 yeah. grand. You know, this is like a new take me because nobody else could afford him. So everybody else could have done that same scouting job. They, they, uh, they didn't. But I always think that, so today in the footballing world, they are primed to the maximum in terms of fitness. Uh, and then you go through everything that you get, which is obviously uh, all the tactical stuff. Uh, you know, you have, a, you have a goalkeeping coach, you have a throwing coach, you have a set-piece coach, you have all these things, isn't it? Yeah. I always felt that the one thing that we lent against, because you could be literally out for six weeks injured mm. and you do two training sessions and they'll go back in. They weren't yeah. overly worried about whether you're 100% fit physically, whereas today you would never send a player out who's not absolutely bang on, would you? Mm. So that always leads me to think that the big thing, you know, where Klopp puts all these things up on the wall, and this is what you do, and I want you to do this. And then you show videos of the opposition. Our big thing was motivation. Yeah. You know, our big thing was motivation. Make sure we wanted more than the other team. You know, of course, there was a minimum of tactical input, but the main thing was always motivation. Yeah. Get yourself ready. Get yourself ready. And it, and it kind of leads back to. It probably started in the mid-80s where people are looking at how can we motivate a group of players. And that's when the music started to come in. You know, music mm. in dressing rooms to, to, to get the, the vibe going in the dressing room. We, we, never, we never did that until the sort of mid-90s. But I always felt that. Whereas today you go, 
this this is this is good and the the, the, the dietitian at Anfield is good and, and and the lady who cooks the food she's the best and whatever. In our day it was always can they get us right? You know, mm. and it was a you didn't rule by fear, but it was a case of this is what we expect, isn't it? So yeah. I always say to people is that what did they expect you to bring? I said they just expect us to, to bring a will to win. Yeah. You know that they never went they never criticize you if you're not playing well or whatever. They only ever touched on in this city, mm. the punters. They just expect you to want to win, you know, wanting to win for them, isn't it? So yeah. It, yes. I mean, it's a little bit difficult because it's like 30 odd years ago, isn't it? But I still think in the in the mind of you humans, there's a lot of parallels, isn't it? Yeah, there are, there are. I mean, there are, there's so many. I think you know, it's 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 tough to see. It's tough to see because I think you know we're looking at we're looking at these players and. You know how good they were a couple of years ago to what they are now, and it feels like, you know, it feels like they're a shadow of the former selves in a way. And you think, I mean, when Mo Salah was looking at whether or not was he going to stay, was he going to sign a new deal, you know, when all that was going on, we we just sort of, you know, as fans, we just sort of said like, just throw every penny you can into keeping him. But if it was now that his new contract was up, I'm not sure you'd get the same kind of response. And you don't go bad overnight, do you? So there's something. There's something strange. I mean, I know. I mean, you can go bad quickly if you, as you get older, but but he's not at that age yet. I don't think he's not at the point yet where he's going to suddenly. It's all going to suddenly drop off. But again, you know, it's fine margins, isn't it? I think, you know, we don't want to dwell too much on the Wolves game, but there was that one shot of his that was just just an inch wide, and I think a more sort of confident Liverpool side. You know what? There'd have been another chance for him to do much the same again a couple of minutes later, and this time it would have gone in. But that's, you know, that's that's the trouble, isn't it? The, these chances aren't coming and. That first half, I think we had one shot on target, which just isn't, you know, I think it's just not a Liverpool thing, is it, under Klopp? Because we had, you know, we had years where maybe we conceded goals, but, you know, games where we got to half-time and we hadn't scored. But that's usually because the keeper put in a man-of-the-match performance and stuff. And, you know, it just feels like we're not we're not creating stuff, we're not keeping possession. And then you, you just mentioned then about Klopp having all the stuff on the wall and showing them all these different videos and things. But I wonder sometimes, are we sort of, overcomplicating it maybe you know the players kind of know how to play the game they know you know they know roughly speaking what what's expected of them are we sort of giving them you know just too much information is there just too much information going in here and when it comes to the game they're like almost forgetting what they were told to do because they were told so much I, I was at a Old Trafford on Saturday Manchester United against Palace and Marcel Sabitzer came on late on in the game he was Ellington Hag was talking to him he was fully ready to go on Tracksuit chop was off. The fourth officials there with the board ready to go for four minutes. You know, and I'm talking yeah. about uh, late on, uh, you know, Crystal Palace are putting the pressure on. Casemiro has been sent off, isn't it? And you think, well, you want to make a change, get the fucking player on. Yeah. He still stood next to him for four, four minutes. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know whether players are different than we played, whether they're more intelligent or not, but I refuse to believe that. Whatever he tells him for that four minutes, the moment he gets onto the pitch, there's only one thing that matters, isn't it? You're yeah. autopilot. Yeah. I can play. I can play. I know exactly how to play football. Now it's a different type. We're, we're defending. We're defending two one leaders, but I know how to play, isn't it? So, yeah. I think there's a case for both, isn't it? Mm. You know, we always we always talk about when you're doing well and you look for that little edge. So I mentioned before, throwing goals and set piece goals yeah. and whatever, isn't it? and and maybe it should work the other way. But when you're not playing mm. particularly well. You take away and you simplify it. Yeah. You know, and you go, defenders, I want you to defend. Yeah. You know, and little things like that. But I don't, I don't know whether that's 
you know, we're trying to we're trying to discuss a lot of things here, dear Mammy, because yeah. we're, we're kind of looking at a scenario now where I would say most aspects of 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 the top teams uh, we're, we're not doing well at the moment, Alan. You know, the goalkeeper is still doing okay, and Stefan Bajic in midfield is way way ahead of his time. Great, yeah. doing well. Everything else is just not working, is it? No, no, no. And I wonder, you know, we're saying like we're looking at we compare ourselves to other teams and maybe um, I've not read all of it because it's only just broke today. But, mm. you know, one, one of the issues that we've got as, as a club is that, you know, FSG would like it that everyone, um, you know, plays the game in a fair way. You know, you make the money you bring in for, as a club from shirt sales and ticket sales and, and TV revenue and wherever um, that you use that to keep your club going and that you don't sort of get big cash injections from somewhere else or you don't go into huge debt like Liverpool did for a little spell under the last owners you know that's the kind of FSG model and one of the criticisms that they've had is that they've relied on that so much and now that they're behind the times and the people who are kind of critical and want us to go and get some money from you know from one of the Gulf states um that's that's the the, the big argument that you can't play with FFP because it's not a thing but today there was a bit of news for Man City which obviously they're denying but um, the Premier League seem like they've actually found some problems with with, um, with how they've calculated their income the last few seasons and, well, going back quite a while as well. So, you know, is this, um, I don't know, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen, do we? It's all a big guess and the, the best solicitors in the world will be involved, I'm sure. But is this a sign that maybe gives us a glimmer of hope that maybe, maybe FSG can run the club they, the way they really wanted to? Well, I think it's a really good point you make, Jim, in, in, in terms of FSG thought that financial fair play would be on the side of the clubs mm-hmm. so Liverpool would be able to operate uh, in, in the manners which they want to operate isn't it uh, yes. it's, I think it's transpired that I think it's one thing is that you know some clubs are through desperation and whatever uh, overrun the financial fair play and, 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 and mm-hmm. but and I know at the moment Manchester City have been charged but they've not been found guilty whatever is it but this appears to be a little bit more, you know, sinister, isn't mm. it? You know, it's it. They've been been, been overstating uh, sponsor deals, uh, shadow contracts to to Mancini and yeah and things like yeah. It's, it's I mean potentially when I heard it today, you always go yeah okay here we go. But when when you sort of look at it and you think this this is potentially one of the biggest sporting stories ever. Yeah, uh, I was surprised that. That the Premier League, I don't want to criticise the Premier League, but I was surprised that they actually got their act together and decided to do this mm. because it would have been easier for them to have acquired whatever Manchester City or whatever, isn't it? But yeah, you're right. This is going to run and run and run and run, and the, the, the financial winners will be be, be the people in the uh, in, in 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 the world of law. You know, uh, they'll yeah. be the ones making all the money, isn't it? But it's certainly an interesting story. I mean. If they're found guilty, I mean, I'm not suggesting they're going to be found guilty for all the charges, but if they're just found guilty for 25 percent of them, you're talking about 20 20 odd uh, uh, times where they've done naughty things, isn't it? Yeah. It's it won't be. Do you remember the last time when they were uh, it was UEFA won a financial yeah. fair play, two year ban, Champions League was on 27 million pound fine, arbitration or whatever, no no ban, nine million. I mean. Nine million is nothing to Manchester City. Is it? This, it's not. It's not. This should. This, this, this could be. Well, it could be. Oh, I mean, I, I don't even dare to speculate where <laughs> this might end up. No, no. 
This this is like in a in a sort of what different do you want, way. Jim? I, I, I would like that. Do you, I would want like the titles? do you want the titles that? How does that going to work? Yeah, what did they do know, in Italy? What did they do in Italy with Juventus? Did they did they just not have a champion in the years when Juventus was relegated? No, That's actually. what I'd be thinking. Yeah, come you... on, guy. What, what did you do in Italy? Do we have champions from all them years? I'm just thinking that we're talking all the way back to 2009, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. What like, them? It feels odd to say, like, so say you look back at all those years and say, right, we'll give the title to whoever finished second because then whoever finished second would have won, and maybe, yeah, you know, and, and That's you, what I'm you, you filter it down. And, and People was... didn't get in the Champions League that should have done and things like that, yeah. you know. So, so where does um, it stop? Is that what you're saying? Where does it stop? Yeah, that's the difficulty. But I think the main thing to do is make them. Is punish them for it straight away. I mean, I would say if you don't give the titles to someone else, you take it off them. You know, as you say, I could quite, you know, in a way that would be what what a record to have against your name that, you know, there's a big asterisk against against your name in the for the league title for that season that you had it, but then you had it taken off you because of irregularities. Um, the message has got to be to them that it's, it's not going to be like money. They'll find more money, won't they? That's the thing. You could find them and find them and find them. They'll just go and find some more money. I think it's got to be a case of you get those titles taken away. You get whatever, whatever ban you get coming forward with that 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 comes in um i mean rangers got a heck of a, a heck of a mess up in scotland didn't they because of their situation financially they got really sort of thrown out of the league and had to fight the way back and that that sounds like a really severe thing to say that manchester city will need to do and you do wonder what will happen and that'll be the worry for the premier league that if they chip if they chuck manchester city out you know will will they just go into administration will they disappear will the owners think right can't be bothered with this now there's too much you know, it could cost us too much to get them back and we can't spend that money. You know, so we, I think the Premier League are going to sort of, you know, it's a difficult one for them. And I, I agree with you. I'm surprised that he did actually take some action because, you know, you feel that, you know, it's almost like it's bad for the reputation of the Premier League, isn't it, as well? And the Premier League is still, you know, it's not like the FA, which is supposedly an independent organisation. The Premier League is basically all the Premier League clubs, isn't it? So I was I was surprised that they've, that they've done this and... All I can think of is that they must have some good evidence to actually go this far and to actually publicly announce that they're doing this. And one interesting thing I read today as well was with the UEFA ban, there was actually um, like a statute of limitations type thing on it that you can only go far, go so far back with UEFA rules to actually, you know, charge someone with, with these kind of offences. But the Premier League hasn't got that kind of limit. So that could be the big difference. That could be, you know, what helps City get away with it with UEFA isn't going to help them this time. And that's that's one of the interesting points, but speculation, isn't it? But yeah, what would what would you do? Would you um would you take the titles off them and give it to the yeah. other team who came second, or would you just no, take it really, off? No, not really, because and... because if you if you take the title off City, and we finish third to them, uh, second to them, two three times a week, mm-hmm. and we give the title to us, then the team in fifth go, well, we can't replay the Champions League, but we want the money. What about the team who finished eighteenth? Yeah. They would have finished seventeenth, possibly. But I don't I don't know. So. What I'd do is I'd take the titles off them, uh, but I'd leave those years without uh, a champion. Uh, and, and, and I would relegate them. Uh, if, if they're found guilty, I, w- I would relegate them because the punishment can't be the one thing they've got enough of. You mentioned before, money. Yeah. yeah. It makes no difference. If there's a hundred million, you can have it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll fund we'll fund League One, Two in the conference or whatever. We'll fund them for a hundred years, whatever. No, no, that's not enough, is it? No. You know, it, it has to be a clear message, isn't it? But it's going to be interesting, but... It it, it 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 won't be overnight, will it? This will be a long, drawn-out thing. And Manchester City seem pretty confident that they can uh, they can bat this one away. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, my my first thought when I read the sort of response was it just sounded 
I don't know, it sounded so arrogant almost, you know, that they feel like oh, we, we've, we've got this covered. And I think one thing that football really has to say to itself after this is, like, whatever's happened, like, you can get, we know the lawyers are going to comb through it, and it's going to come down to some sort of word in somewhere, in some paragraph deep in some book somewhere that gets them away with it or gets them, you know, lets them down. But, you know, we we shouldn't be in this situation. It should be simplified that you cannot do what they're alleged to have done, that, you know, you've got to live within your means. And I think, you know, whatever happens with this, at the side of this, the, the the Premier League and the FA and the other leagues all need to get together and say, look, we need to stop this. We need to stop this idea that that someone can come in with that level of money and make that much of a difference and just and just do it without any kind of limitation on on how far they go. Because I mean, you know, I don't have an issue with, with clubs having some money coming in. That's how I mean, that's how you rescue a club as well, isn't it? You throw some money in, but there's got to be a sort of a time limit on how much you throw in and how long it is before they start, you know, covering their own costs again and and, and being more self-sufficient. Because, you know, why why Man City have, have been having all this money spent on them? The way that everyone else competed is Sky subscriptions are through the roof. If you if you have Sky, wherever your subscription is, you know, you're paying more to watch the game on TV, to go through the turnstiles, it's costing you more, to buy your, your, your club um, top, it's costing you more. All of this money, it's more and more money for people to watch the game so we can pay the players. But, so much of that has been kind of artificially inflated by the fact that, you know, other clubs can come along and get given a load of cash just to help, you know, help top everything up. And that, that to me, football need, needs to sort of stop and have a big look at itself and say, you know, maybe it's time for a reset. It's it's definitely financial doping, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and that's the one thing that doesn't sit well with anyone. No. I think if you go back to Jack Walker, I think Jack Walker, Blackburn, he was the first one, wasn't he? But, yeah. and even that was spent just over three million islands here. Yeah. But you don't get the impression that he would have done that 20 times over. No. You know, you get the impression with Manchester City or PSG and whatever that they'll pay 100 million for the player and they'll do that again quite happily and they'll do that again quietly. If there was no financial play, what do you think they're capable of? And and that that's why some people are saying, you know, let's go back to where the clubs can spend whatever the owners have got. No, 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 mm. no, no. Because some of the owners are endless, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so we can't have that. So, and we can't compare it with Jack Walker either because Jack was a, you know, if you look through what what, what Jack actually spent, he did, he didn't spend an awful lot, did he? Uh, it was just that the, all of a sudden Blackburn is buying the one striker that maybe everybody wanted, isn't it? And I think that's where people got a bit cheeky bastards, aren't they? You know? I mean, that's yeah. that's that's who we yeah. want, you know. So. Well, that's—I mean, what was it? Three and a half million for Alan Shearer, which yeah, at the time was a lot that, of money. So. It was a massive yeah. amount of money, wasn't it? But didn't he go to Newcastle for fifteen million not that long yeah, afterwards? Yeah, and yeah. you know, they didn't have a, a Jack Walker behind them at the time, as far as I can remember. Um, that was probably the era when they were getting slated because they admitted that the fifty quid um, football shirt was cost about a fiver to make. I, one of their owners got into trouble with that because he admitted how much money they were making on on merchandise. But the the truth is that you know. You're right. I don't think Jack Walker sort of made them put Blackburn into a situation where nobody could compete with them financially. He just put them in a situation where they could compete financially. And I don't think that's what's been happening with Man City. I think they've been, you know, basically putting themselves ahead of everyone else. I mean, I've not got the figures in front of me now, but time and again, you hear people say, you know, that's the value of the players on the pitch. That's the the value of the players on the bench. And it's stupid amounts of money, Um, you know, and they, they, as you say, they can they can spend money on a player. If it doesn't work out, they'll go and spend the same money on another one. And you know, there's no kind of um, 
there's no real punishment for them, is there? If if, if Jurgen Klopp went and spent 100 million pound on a player um, that you know from Aston Villa, maybe his name was Jack Grealish, and he turned out that he hardly ever got played because he wasn't really quite a good fit, there'd be no end of turmoil, and there'd be no way that that Jurgen could then go out and spend the same money again a few months later because you know he's changed his mind on who he wants, and that's that's the thing I think that that needs to come into it that if you're gonna if you're gonna have the money behind you, that it's not gonna be endless like that. It's got to be, and if, if you have the money, you spend it, but you can't respend, you can't keep respending it, can you? And I think when, when you talk about Manchester City and Pep Guardiola, it was a few years ago with the fullbacks, wasn't it? You know, he's buying fullbacks for 50 million, no good, so he's buying a new set, you know, let's go and get a new set new set of full, fullbacks. So, uh, yeah. It's, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's certainly an interesting one, isn't it? At the moment, it's neither nor in terms of a big story because we're all still waiting details and there'll now be an independent panel looking at looking at it, whether they decide to, to release all the, the charts, it'll certainly be interesting. And then we'll just have to wait maybe a couple of years and then there'll be an appeal and then it'll go to the court of, 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 of sport reputation and uh, yeah. Yeah. But eventually, I think eventually we'll get we'll have an outcome. Yeah, I mean, if if any, if if it, nothing else, hopefully it makes them just sort of put the brakes on what they're doing because they kind of get the, you know, maybe now they realise that they're being watched a little bit more closely. But those reels just need tightening up. There shouldn't be any any loopholes. I mean, it it doesn't take a lot for people to just to know, you know, what's the spirit of the game? What's the spirit of these reels? What what do we want them to be? You know, get the lawyers to go along and and tighten them all up. You know, but by all means, but really, you know, they these should be the you know, it's it's a game of sports, isn't it? And it should be, as you say, it's, it is like doping, isn't it? But doping with money. And if if it was, um, if we discovered that a team was winning things because they'd been um, taking illicit substances, having performance enhancements that way, then you know they'd be thrown out of the sport. Never mind relegated or potentially thrown out of the sport. So it's, you know, it's a massive thing. But of course, then the other side of that though is they're the Premier League rules. But then how does that, you know, if, if we did clamp down on it and over time. The Premier League didn't keep, seem to spend quite as much money, and you know, maybe the power of the Premier League to bring the players here would go. Do you think that there's um, there's still a reason that the Premier League might still want the big money to be available, up to an extent, because you know, otherwise it's going to be hard to compete with the likes of PSG and Real Madrid and so on, isn't it? Well, I, I do think that at the moment, and you don't always get that feeling, but you know. In Spain, I think the rules are a lot more stringent uh, in, in terms of where you can or can't spend. Uh, and we, we've even seen that with Barcelona and what they've been through and haven't been able to register players and other players have had to take weights, cut them, whatever. Isn't it? Uh, so I, I still think that you can find some common ground where we stay ahead of everybody else. And I think that's important, isn't it? Because also, the, the, I, I work in the business and I work for a broadcaster. And what the broadcasters basically say is that we, we buy a product and we give the money to clubs who yeah. we know will spend it. He said there's mm. other leagues you can buy and you can give the money to the clubs, but half of the clubs wouldn't spend it. Yeah. He said in the Premier League, it is a bit, you know, like the Wild West, isn't it? Because <laughs> we, even seen, we, all, we even seen in January, didn't we? There's clubs who spend in January 50, 60, 70 million. Who I thought, wow, didn't know yeah. they were capable you know, Bournemouth and Southampton and whatever, they've all gone out and spent that and it leads, you know, be, be, because they don't want to lose the one thing they've got. And so I think there's some common ground to be found in terms of we, we've got to make sure that we stay ahead of the competition. Yeah. Uh, but I still think there's a financial fair play uh, that can be brought in that will make sure and maintain the fact that we stay ahead of everybody else, isn't it? But yeah. there also has to be a level of, we're not, we're not, our big competitors isn't, isn't Germany and Spain, it's, it's, 
the other clubs in it. Liverpool's big competitor is, is Manchester City and Manchester United. And we need some people to keep an eye on them because yeah. otherwise even we can't compete, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it, as well? Because, I mean, people always said as well that um, no one goes into a football club to make money. You know, when you go to buy a football club, it's always got some sort of um, vanity aspect to it. And in a way, that that is kind of what, what's happened with City, that people have come along and um, not try to make a profit out of Manchester City. They, you know, they come, right or wrong, they come to try to sort of build a team that can go out and win things and, you know, and, and all the fun that that is, and which is kind of, you know, much like what David Moores was trying to do as a as Liverpool owner all those years ago. He didn't have that kind of money to put in, but, you know, he wasn't owning Liverpool so he could buy mansions and things. He was owning Liverpool so he could be, you know, part of a club that was winning things. And that, that to me, still... Still, maybe if there is going to be a criticism of FSG, is that they have made a massive profit on the club, although they haven't, because um, they've not sold the club yet. I mean, they only paid what sounds like a fraction of, of the cost of, of its value now, a couple of hundred million really to buy the club, and it's supposedly worth a couple of billion or more, but they've not made a profit yet. So it'd be interesting to see whether they actually do make a profit in the end, but, um, you know, maybe, I don't know, it felt good today to hear that, that at least you know, at least that maybe football is taking FFP seriously, because they did feel for a while that it was all just pie in the sky. Um, but, you know, City aren't the only club that have been spending big, and I suppose we should look ahead to the next game, which, I don't know, I wish it wasn't the next game. Um, Liverpool's next game, of course, is against a team who have spent lots and lots of money the last few years, haven't really got anywhere with it, though. They've not definitely not had the success of Man City. Um, and they've just changed manager yet again, so it's the derby. Um, biggest game in the calendar for a lot of us and you know it's at a time when both clubs have been struggling but now you know what what did Everton go and do they went and got a manager who I think is the perfect choice for them to get them away from the relegation zone but you know it feels bad timing for us isn't it you know really do we really want to face them now just when Sean Dyche has come in Everton of course no absolutely <laughs> not uh, I mean we, we were talking at length over the weekend even before Everton played Arsenal, after they played, you know, and, and, and some former pros, you know, some former players, and, and they, they go on about, you know, the, the, the few changes he makes, Sean Dice. But I don't ever think there's anything wrong with standards. No. You know, you, you have standards and whatever those standards are. And it sounds funny, isn't it? But you turn up on time. You turn up on time in, in, in the canteen, you turn up on time on the, on the training ground. You have responsibilities because you're working within the group, isn't it? Mm. And and that's all he really did, Sean, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. He's been criticised by, by by doing the bleep test because it's outdated. But he, he likes it because he can stand there and see it with his own eyes. David Moyes always used to go on about that. He said, I love the fitness where I can see it with my own eyes. He said, I know that modern fitness is all on a computer, isn't it? You, mm. you, 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 you read all the heart rates. He said, but I like fitness that I can see with my own eyes isn't so I just think he's given standards uh, and he's realised he made them realise that we're fighting for our lives and how I'm worried about Everton for a number of years nobody could live with us physically mm. and I'm even talking about Manchester City when we were at our best against Manchester City they couldn't live with us physically either physical strength but also running ability yeah mm. and we would run further and faster, and we would run away from them. I'm not sure we can run away from Everton no. on on Monday. And by that, I mean if we can't run away from them, that means they can play their game. Yeah. And they want to be physical. 
And if we can't get away from them, they'll be able to be physical in their four, two, three, one, four, three, three, narrow, four, four, two, whatever the system is, yeah. yeah. They'll be able to be competitive and then they'll rely on early crosses into the box, which is the one thing we hate because mm. we don't get organized quick enough at the moment. So all them things are going to be a fucking nightmare for us. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I'm absolutely dreading it. I've not dreaded a derby in a long time. And that's the thing. It used to be a kind of mixed bag of emotions coming into a derby game. You were sort of, you know, excited it's the derby, but at the same time thinking, oh God, you know, we're up against some trouble. Even even when they've been struggling, you know, even um, when they've not been doing that well, you know, there's been times when they've had a good enough team that, you know, they're going to put a, put a fight up. And that's not been the case the last few years. There's been times I've literally just been laughing at them in derby matches. They've been so different to us, but it's not the, not the case this year and I think that one about the physicality as well I can remember I think Allardyce would have been the manager I just seem to remember the game plan seemed to be to just try and survive um, you know maybe until the last five minutes before half time and then put some effort in same again in the second half and as if in a way it was almost a way of sort of conserving energy so that you've got some energy and then just in a little five or ten minute spell of the game you go and put everything into that because Liverpool was sort of that was one of big, Liverpool's biggest um, the, the biggest fear for other teams playing Liverpool, I think, until recently was, you know, you were going to be run off your feet because they could just keep coming at you and keep coming at you and keep coming at you. But then, you know, that's another sort of word that we just get using. We're using so much now with Liverpool, isn't it? Tiredness. They just look tired. Keeps keeps being like this. It keeps being, you know, these words are, are being thrown out all the time. And that that bleep test, I mean, I'm not saying I'm a mad fan of Sean Dyche or anything, but one one thing that does as well, I think, is, you know, he's watching that and he's watching them. He's seen what sort of attitude they've got as well, isn't he? He's, he's seen the ones that are pulling the faces about having to do it, the ones who are, you know, really can't be bothered, the ones who think it's a, it's beneath them having to do it. And that's telling him a lot about his players, and that's what he's got now. He's He's got to learn which, which players are with him and which ones aren't, hasn't he? Yeah, and to be fair, you know, he couldn't have been a better start for them in terms of beating Arsenal 1-0. And let's not forget, we, we, we talk about... And I actually think that... And I, I, I don't have the, the stats, but I did look at the stats uh, from the game on Saturday because I wasn't at the game and I didn't look and we obviously dominated possession, whatever. And I don't think us dominating possession this season has been good for us. You know, I, I, I think in the games where we've had 60-odd percent possession, whatever, they're the games... By memory, I'm thinking that we either lost or drew. You know, we might even be better now with, with, with without the ball. But we're playing against a, an Everton team who's got a manager. We beat Liverpool, I think it was 2 0 at Burnley, with something yeah. like 17% possession. Do you remember that game? Mm. You know, we had 82, 83% possession, you know, and they beat us 2 0. So, so this is a guy that, like you said before, Sam Allardyce, this is the game plan, isn't it? Mm. Come on to us, we'll defend and we'll pick our moments. You know, little burst of maybe five minutes, one in the first half, one in the second half, and we'll take it from there. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? I think, you know, um, I mean, I'm not saying Liverpool are this great big scalp anymore for most clubs because the way we're playing, we're not. But we are we are a scalp. And that's the thing that, you know, we, we've got sort of, you know, all, all these get 38 games to play in the league, all the, all the Champions League games if we stay in that and things like that. But, you know, we've... We, we can't put that much detail into all of those games that I think some of the other clubs do when they play us. And, you know, they, they, you know, they can analyse us. But the thing is, he, he already has um, an idea of what to do against us. And I just wonder whether Klopp's got any memories of that and whether, well, I'm sure he's got memories of it, but whether he's, you know, at the same time, whether they did much work on how to counter that. Because, you know, we can't, 
we can't afford to lose this game. It just feels, um, you know, whatever hopes we've got to finish in the size we can in the league this season is one thing. But, you know, to lose against them, when we're talking about confidence, I just think that will just almost kill us off for the season. Mm. And, and and that being eight days before we play what technically is, you know, our last hope of, of, mm. of having a great season, isn't it? Because let's not forget that we're still in the Champions League and I'm not convinced that Real Madrid are, are playing particularly well uh, at the moment. I think they've only won four of the last nine. So mm. they've got their own problems, isn't it? But of course, if, if we sh- should, if we should get beat by everything at home eight days before that, yeah, it won't fill anyone with any kind of confidence. I can assure you of that. Yeah, I think the good thing is, though, I mean, that's what the 12th man, that's what's going to be needed now. Liverpool fans are going to need to get behind this team. And, you know, I think I think one of the issues when we're going through these spells, and it's the same in the 90s, is that you just start getting these little bits of pockets of fans and, and ex-players and everyone sort of almost turning on sort of each other and on the club. And um, it feels like that's beginning as well now a lot more than it has been for a, for a good while. You know, and I just think, you know, it's important that... Um, we listen to everyone, isn't it? It's important that we listen to what each other's opinions are and so on and so forth. But, you know, if everyone's heart's in the right place, then we don't need to fall out, do we? You know, it's, you know, we all we all want what's best for this club and we're going to have heated moments and stuff like that, especially during a game. But, you know, ultimately, we all want the same thing, which is for Liverpool to do well. And, um, you know, it's, I think it's just important that we don't let ourselves go into that sort of state that um, something that I think's plagued Everton definitely for the last few years is just how toxic everything got between, you know, they're all on the same side, yet they're just all completely angry about the club and about each other. And um, I know that's gone away for now, but it's still bubbling under. And the first sign of trouble under Dice, you can guarantee it'll be back. That's something we've just got to avoid. We, you know, we need to stop this sort of infighting because I think that can do us just as much damage as any other team can. I think it can do more damage than anything. You know, once you get that in into your football club, in-house fighting, and and that not just at the training ground or in the, the club's offices in Chapel Street, that's also in the stand, isn't it? Yeah. You know that we all understand that, and I think we can all agree. I don't want anyone to listen to this thinking Jan thinks we're playing well. I don't. <laughs> you know, I think we're playing terrible. Absolutely, uh, but but I'm trying to look at it in in a, in a, in a rational way. And, not trying to explain anything away, but trying to give reasons and thinking why things might happen, isn't it? And give people a little bit of hope that it does happen. It mm. just sometimes going a little bit of circles, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, don't for one minute think that I think we're playing well. Uh, and I think that's best summed up with, with the fears that we have for the Everton game, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and they are fears as well, I have to say that. And that's been, that's something I didn't think I'd be saying. And something they have said all season as well is no matter how bad things are for us, there's always Everton. But that's definitely, that's been taken away from us this weekend. But, you know, I think um, we that European game that's coming up, this Everton game that's coming up, you know, we can, we can sort of keep looking back and licking our wounds. But, you know, genuinely, it's time for us to stop doing that and to start trying to look forward again, isn't it? You know, not stop looking back at, you know, Oh, we used to be this great. We're not that great anymore. You know, we, we're capable of it. We're capable of it. But you know, when when you were sort of at Anfield, and when things were starting to you know to to go downhill again, or for the first time really, um, you know, and you're saying it took you you a while to kind of realise what was going on. Was that you know, was that throughout the club? Did it did it sort of feel at the club? You know, was this sort of feeling that you know we, it was always like one or two tweaks away from being sorted? You know, and 
Meanwhile, you know, all these tweets were adding up to actually being um, serious surgery being needed. Is that is that how it how it felt at the time as a player, right in it? That you know, we were just that we were always just that far away because at times we were, but obviously these things all build into into a big problem, don't they? I think you know, certainly in the first, I would say three seasons, uh, we we started every season believing because that's how it went, wasn't it? In the seventies mm. and eighties, you would have a season without winning a big prize, yeah? But then the next season, you'd bounce back and you'd win something, wouldn't you? And that was the feeling in 19, when we started in 91-92. We'll be all right. And then, but we still end up with the FA Cup. So mm. that's okay, isn't it? And then 92-93. And then I think we had a couple of seasons where we got off to a really great start. You know, I think we won four out of five one year. And we won three out of three one year. And then we go, here we go again. Uh, so, and I always felt, I always felt that, there wasn't the same, I mean, 90% of, maybe, maybe even 95% of, of all fans in those days would be local or at least very local. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's maybe not the case anymore because of the brand that we, we, is now, we are now. Isn't it? So I think it was maybe a little bit easier to, and also there wasn't as many possibilities of fans to let out their frustrations you know mm. now they're everywhere aren't they yeah. football yeah. phone-ins and chat rooms and blah blah and whatever so I always felt that you know I never felt that there was a section of anything whether that was the the, the football club or and the employers and the, and the chairman on his board the fans uh, the coaches after managers and we had two different managers early 80, uh, 90s with Kenny and, and, and Soonest I never felt that I never felt that there was a, there was even a thought that this was over. You know, mm. I never, I never felt. I mean, I signed a couple of new contracts during that period, and I was speaking to Peter Robinson at the time, and maybe he was a great poker player. I don't know, but he never gave the impression that he was going, "Ooh, this is not good, Jan." You know, mm. uh, he, he was given totally the opposite. Uh, that he, Peter Robinson was not one for shout off, off the rooftop, and he wasn't one of saying, "Will Liverpool be okay?" But he went. But we'll be okay. We, we we know what we're doing. We've done this before, and it'll be just fine, you know. So I never got the impression that. And the reason I'm saying this, Jim, is because of your question, isn't it? Mm. You know, we got to make sure that we don't get to there where everybody yeah. starts questioning everything, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, we've always been very loyal at the ground, isn't it? You know, we have almost unwritten rules on how you should behave when you're at Anfield, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. In terms of, in terms of supporting the team, isn't it? You know what I mean? And mm. let's 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 just make sure we all we all adhere to that. Yeah, I think that's one thing that I mean, I'm not it's not always a reason when why things are quieter and feel nowadays, but I think the sort of unwritten rule was always if you've got nothing good to say, just shut up. Just keep yeah. quiet, you know. And then afterwards it was always like you're on the bus, you're you're walking, you know, you're walking away from the ground, maybe get on the bus, maybe you go in the pub afterwards, whatever. Um, you're talking to your mate, you're talking to a, a couple of mates, talking to a handful of people, and all this stuff that you're getting off your chest is all kind of really locally just to you and your friends, isn't it? It's not getting out there that much and um you know, the the only match report you got that day after the match was on the pink, uh, the pink echo that had come out afterwards with a, a quick match report you could have a look at. Otherwise, you'd be waiting until the next day. I mean, I used to avoid going in the shop on a Sunday, the paper shop on a Sunday if we'd lost on the Saturday because I didn't want to see all the headlines. And I found myself doing that more and more and more in the 90s, which is... Um, a sign of how bad it was getting, but I think at the minute I'd probably want the newspaper shops bulldozed because it's like, I want to avoid them that much at the moment. But um, you can't avoid it. But the thing is, it's it's just it's, it is a bad spell, and we've had bad spells, and I do feel that we can come out of it as long as 
we sort of face up to everything that's happening. It's interesting what's happened with Man City. That could change things to some extent. But regardless of that, I think we've just got to accept where we are. If we've not got big amounts of money to spend on players, then we need to look at what money we have got and, and spend it more wisely. Maybe, you know, we spoke about it recently. Do we need to get, um, you know, look at scouting again and maybe scouting in some different places? I mean, there must be some um, some good gems over in Scandinavia that you, that you know about that maybe you could tip us the wink for, maybe. Well, you know, it, it's all, I mean, if you look, uh, you know, we've we, we got the two Norwegians, haven't we? You know, one at, at Arsenal, the other guard, and, 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 and Holland over at, uh, over at Manchester City, and, and, and we've we got some really good uh, kits that uh, Southampton bought one, uh, which come out of Denmark. Uh, yeah. Got the other boy at, oh, I actually can't remember his name. So we've got some really good, exciting players in Scandinavia generally. But just to go back to what you were saying in terms of so in the 90s when we weren't particularly big, particularly well. And, you know, if somebody at the ground when you're playing would shout, hey, Mulder, you're shit, you would kind of go, not now, I'm at work, you know. Yes, but, yeah. But you, but, you, but, you, but you know what I'm saying? But at 8 o'clock at night when I'm in the boozer and somebody comes and go, yeah, that was shit today. And you go, yeah, fair enough. You know, yeah. but you kind of go, but not right now while I'm yeah. playing. I'm at work now, yeah. So support me. In the pub after, we'd lost one and we've been shit. I don't have a problem with it. You know, but while I'm at work, and that's kind of that unwritten rule of Anfield, isn't it? While yeah. that's that's it, representing us, we, we need to support them. Yeah. Once it's finished, you know, you can you can you can let go of your frustrations, isn't it? You know what I mean? But yeah. I always think that, that that 90 minutes, if you can't support for that 90 minutes, find something else to do. God, yeah, that's the. I mean, that is the other thing as well. If football's getting you that bad, you know, unless it's um, unless you work in football and you've no excuse, you know, you're no alternative. Just get away from it. Do something else for a bit because it, it really is not meant to get you that bad, is it? You know, unless you, you know, if it's your job, that's a different story. But you know, it's meant to be something that gives you some highs and lows and takes you away from all the highs and lows that's going on in the real world in your real life, which are obviously, you know, the things that matter a lot more than than the game. But the game should be that distraction and. Yeah, it's not been much of a distraction of the kind we want recently. But I think, again, it's going to come back to that. And there's something um, that just sprang to mind then when you were saying that is when I was a kid, I wasn't playing football in the school team um, at primary school. Not not very good. But I can remember someone did something wrong and I had to sort of, you know, took the mickey out of them in a childish way. And then I got an absolute roasting off, off the teacher, the manager, if you like, because, you know, that's okay when you're just playing yourselves, you know, in, in a school practice thing. But when you're on this match against these opponents, you don't want to hear them. You know, they don't, you don't want to let them hear you having a go at each other in that way. Um, and it's that sort of thing about, you know, we're all in this together. But then um, that also just brings to mind, I mean, the Bruce Grobelar FA Cup. Was it the FA Cup at Wembley? Just yeah, shouting it at, yeah. at, at Beglin and stuff. And, you know, those... Those moments are quite rare, aren't they? You know, when I very rarely that you see players really, really have a go at each other. Um, certainly Liverpool players, but you know that's something I've not seen either at the moment. Which I don't know if that's a sign that we're not bothered, or a sign of actually, you know, we are still very much together as a team. I've, I've played with a lot of players over the years, and I've managed a lot of players over the years, and the amount of players that are not bothered, I can count on one hand. Mm. You show in different ways, yeah. you know, how bothered, how disappointed, whatever, everybody show in a different way. Yeah. But the players that couldn't care less, I can count on one hand, mm. you know, and and I, and I look at this group of players, I think they're doing as much as they're capable of right now. 
And it's a horrible thing as a player, isn't it? You're thinking, I'm doing everything I can and I just can't reach the level mm. that I'm still capable of. Because as a player, you, you'll never say it. There's so many things that becomes easier once you retire, because you can yeah. because you'll never ever play again, William. Whatever. So, and 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 sometimes as a player, you know when it's over. Uh, but I think a lot of these Liverpool players will think think that I'm doing everything I can. Maybe some of them are doing more than they've ever done, and mm. still can't get to the levels that they still think they're capable of. And, yeah. and that that is really frustrating. You know that is really frustrating. You yeah. kind of you you must have that feeling, Jim, in, in things in life, and you go, yeah, what's happening? What I, I, I can't work this out. What, you know, what's this happening? I'm one of the top, and they, they are one of the top players in the world. Mm. You know, I'm not talking about top five or top ten, but top players in the world, top five hundred footballers in the world, or whatever. You know, what I mean? that's a big thing when you think there's eight and a bit and a bit billion people, isn't it? You know, what I mean, yeah. so if you're yeah. in the top five hundred of footballers, you're some fucking player. You know, what I mean, and our players are, aren't they? You know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I saw a little bit. I think Trent at the weekend. I remember seeing him sort of. He'd just been fighting to win the ball back a couple of times, you know, really worked hard, won the ball back, you know, passed it through to the middle, and then we kind of gave it away. And he just, and there was just that, you know, that brief moment. And you don't get as much as watching it on TV. You don't see all the off the ball stuff that you see when you're at the game. You know, you see a lot more of what's going on. That's, I think, sometimes something people forget just how much you do see when you get to a game, when you're lucky enough to go to a game. But there was just that little moment where you got to see that frustration in him. But I think the other thing as well with with the modern game is that when there's frustration on a player's face, there's always a camera in the face. And I mean, when you were playing, we weren't on the telly all the time. It was match of the day highlights. Sometimes it'd just be like, well, one of your games was, um, one of your goals was only filmed because someone had done a bit of security footage, haven't they? Exactly, yeah. yeah. (laughs) You know, there just wasn't that same thing. But now, you know, everything they do, there's like how many cameras in the face, there's constant, constant cameras to the point where they can't even have a conversation with the teammate without doing all of this stuff to hide what they're saying. Um, the pressure is amazing. And, you know, as much as we're disappointed and all the players have got pressure, you know, you know, it's so magnified what they're going through at the moment. It's not easy, is it? I know that people go, you know, and the things that people put up as an argument, isn't it? You know, all you do is play football and doing £100,000 a week and all that. All them things doesn't matter to us because every morning you wake up as a human being. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you face a lot of the challenges and issues that other people have. Yeah. You know, footballers don't have to worry about the electricity bill or, or, or you know, but there, there is other things, isn't there? Mm. And you face the same, you face the same sort of hurdles to overcome it yeah. uh, in everyday life, isn't it? You know, so it's, it can be, it's, you know, somebody called it the beautiful game and yeah, it is the beautiful game, isn't it? But it's not always the beautiful game. You know, there is no. times in it where you think, fuck, I could do without this, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And th- when I played, it's nothing compared to what it is today, isn't it? There is no hiding place for these these, these kids, is it? I mean, at no. least when we played, and we're having a bad time, we playing Saturday, Saturday, you hide away down in Melbourne and nobody sees you. And there's maybe a, a half a page on the back page of the airport. That's about it, isn't it? You know what yeah. I mean? Now, somebody will have reports from the training ground and he missed training and he was, you know, and it's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and you think, you know, sometimes you just want a bit of peace to prepare. But I understand that we've created a hmm. we've created a product now that everybody wants information 24 hours a day. Yeah, they do. And um, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not sure many of us. I mean, you know, as a I, I would quite happily spend quite happily spent some time as a professional footballer, but there was absolutely no chance someone like me was ever going to be one. But you know, it's a great life. But I think we've got to not just look at the greatness of it. It's still you know, a massive responsibility, a huge weight on people's shoulders. And they are only humans, as you say, but 
these are the humans we've got then so I suppose the humans we've got for next for the next game for that derby game uh, I don't really know if I want to think about it but do you think um, do you feel up to doing a prediction for it do you yeah think, yeah no absolutely know? I mean you know we we talked it through here and I think that I've, I've indicated that I don't think we're playing particularly well uh, you talk about the humans we've got there's no doubt that they'll try everything that they're capable of uh, and, and, and you compare them to their best, I guess maybe none of them will, will reach that on Monday. Uh, I always think it's a big ask to win at Anfield. Not many teams win at Anfield. I think Everton and Madison once uh, mm. this 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 century, which, which was the COVID game, uh, yeah. where they stuck a couple of pastors, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So my prediction is Everton won't win, which means we won't lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whether that's a win or a draw, I don't know. If I if I were if I had any confidence in our ability to score two goals, I'd have predicted we would win. Mm. Because I think that would be enough. But yeah. I, I I can't sit here and predict that we might be able to score. I did Liverpool TV the last Friday before the game, and I thought that we won change by two because Gomez came in as, as uh, at the back, but and there was to be a change up front, and I thought Nunes would, would return, which he did. And I thought it was time for, for Gakpo to watch from the sidelines. Mm. You know, when you come in. You played four or five games, you found it really difficult. And I thought that was maybe the time to take him out and let him see from, from the outside. We did make a change. It was Elliot who missed out anyway. Yeah. Uh, I don't expect again, I don't expect a lot of changes for the game. Uh, so to come back to, if I thought we were capable of scoring two, I, I would suggest a win because I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I'm prepared to say, I'm prepared to go as far as to say we won't, we won't get beat. Yeah. Whether that's a draw or a win, I, I just don't know. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? If we do score two, I feel like once we get to the stage where we can score two in a game, we're going to score three and we're going to score four. And that's the thing. It's that that getting those floodgates open. You know, let's let's try and be on a high. Let's end this on a high. Um, you know, it's not been not been a great time with the Wolves game. The the, the news about Man City is maybe a bit of a, a chink of light, maybe for us that maybe the, the, the football authorities are finally going to level the playing field a bit more than, than it has been. Um, there were a little little glimmers of hope in that last game and then you know as frightening as it is to play Everton it is Everton you know um we can do it you know we'll all get behind and we can do it you know and again you know if we don't lose that's massive isn't it so that's let's aim for a win and I think be glad for a draw but Jan again thanks so much for all your insights tonight thanks for trying to cheer us all up as well because I think we need it um I are you um are you going to be covering the game yourself for TV are you going to be down there as a fan do you think uh, so Monday I'm in the studio in Copenhagen. Oh right. Uh, but then I'm at the Newcastle game, which is the following Saturday. Right. I'm back in the studio for the Real Madrid game. Uh, so yeah, it's not much fun at the moment. But if you look and you go Everton, Newcastle, Real Madrid, Crystal Palace, and I think it's Manchester United. Yeah. 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 You know, it's if you're Southampton. You go, fuck that. <laughs> but we're Liverpool, aren't we? Yeah. What motivates you? What brings us together? You know, what gets us going again, isn't it? You look at them five and you go, all right, let's get on with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, you know, we could be looking back in five five games' time and thinking, what were we worried about? Um, who knows? But we'll see. I'm, I'm looking forward to it now. I'm actually looking forward to the derby because, it, you know, it is a mixed game. You do feel up and down about it. But you know what? It's... If, as I said really early on in this, though, if you can't if you can't motivate yourself for that game, what 
what's going on, you know, and I just think, you know, this is the game we'll motivate ourselves for and maybe, maybe show what we can do. But yeah, Jan, thanks again for all your time tonight. Thanks to you as well for watching and listening and keep listening to Anfield Index. There's loads of great content on here, good and bad. I think it's always worth listening because, you know, we all try and make sense of what's going on in the world and maybe, maybe it won't feel quite as bad after you've listened to another show of ours. So hope so anyway. But for now, from us, that's all and we'll see you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.